Guys, we're in the middle of the pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Wellcast Nation, welcome back. We got Dr. Bev in the mix today. She is a child psychologist up in Guelph. And she reached out to me, which I'm super grateful for. We have a mutual friend in Lauren Follett and basically just wanted to comment on what she's seen with the kids as a psychologist, how we address anxiety, how as parents we deal with the strong emotions that our kids are going through right now during these, you know, unprecedented times with the emphasis of, you know, we got to take care of ourselves before we're able to take care of our kids and just given that that lens of self-compassion for parents. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Before I jump into it, don't forget about Solving Wellness, solvingwellness.com to be able to link up with us where we're doing online workouts, online uh, yoga sessions. We're doing virtual cooking classes, nutrition tips, all this to try and reduce burnout amongst our healthcare providers. So go to solvingwellness.com. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. So without further ado, let's check it. Dr. Beth. Quadcast Nation, listen, we have a fantastic guest today who reached out to me on Instagram. I love, sometimes I love social media, sometimes I hate it. But listen, Dr. Bev is on the show today, child psychologist out in Guelph. And frankly, she's changing the boogie people. She is uh, having these frank discussions about how we get our kids through these tough times. And so, Dr. Bev, Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Absolutely. So what, what made you reach out? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're a clinical psychologist, child psychologist, great, like, uh, you know, expert in the field. And, you know, something drew you to, to want to speak more about some of the stuff you're seeing. So what, what, what drew you? Well, I kind of, I just loved that the messages that you were sending, at least the ones that I, w- I was kind of late to the game to catch on to even know who you were. 
And when I did, when Lauren Follett introduced me to you, I, I thought, okay, this is really interesting because Dr. K seems to be somehow blending or merging these two very polarized views. One is, you know, COVID doesn't even exist, forget it, don't have masks. And then the other side is like, let's, let's tighten up, let's be super controlled, let's be very careful. And I liked that you were like, well, let's look at the science and what makes sense. And, and let's look at this holistically for how these restrictions and the things that we're doing collectively as a society are impacting, especially our kids in the longer term. So let's look at things like mental health outcomes, socio-emotional development, and some of these other factors that I think we're not realizing kind of the huge consequences and impact that's going to have if we keep tightening up with our restrictions. So I just like that you were, you were bringing in experts, you were looking at the science, you were looking at the data and kind of saying to everybody, like, frankly, there's not enough data to suggest that this is a good idea for our kids ever, but especially anymore, let's move on. Oh, well, I, I'm very grateful for the kindness and, and for you reaching out because Bev, I, I, like, I want to hear what you're seeing. Like, because obviously if you were seeing the negative impacts of some of our, uh, our approaches, that, that must have drawn you to want to act or say something. So like, what, what are you seeing in your, either in your kids or your parents, whatever, whatever you want to yeah. comment on first? Oh gosh, that's a great question. It's a big question. Maybe I'll try to break it down almost by demographic. So parents wise, what I'm seeing mostly are confused, stressed out, frustrated, worried parents who obviously want to put their children's best interest in mind, but have so many pressures and factors and demands on their shoulders and are feeling like they're failing myself included. It's been really, really difficult to have a career and balance all the pressures of, you know, teaching at the university, having private practice. I'm canceling people all the time in terms of appointments because at the last minute I have to be home with my kids. It's really hard to balance mm -hmm. and it's really hard to like reconcile all the different messages that are being given to us all the time. Like it's confusing. One day I'm feeling like I really need to be so strict and controlled and oh no, no 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 you can't see your grandpa because you have a cold and the next minute I'm thinking this isn't good for you we should just go out and have fun it's just been it's just been so confusing so I feel for the parents who don't really know what to do don't know what the right thing is anymore and are stressed themselves and of course then they know that's impacting their kids hundred percent with the, I, I see where you're throwing down with the, the parents. Like, I, I mean, you must get these messages all the time. I get these messages all the time, what to do, how to handle specific things. And, and I think one thing that, you know, I've heard a lot of psychologists say is, you know, you need to be able to have that foundation. Like you need to be able to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your family. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh my gosh. I'm a huge proponent for self-care. People know me kind of as like, well, back in Vancouver, I was known as um, self-care Fridays. It's, it was my thing to just have a Friday to go to yoga, whatever. Now I have kids. That's actually not possible anymore. But I try really to make sure I'm putting my own oxygen mask on first. And that's because I know that if I feel well, if I'm taking care of myself, if I'm sleeping, if I'm eating if I'm doing my own mental health work, if I have some meditation in there, if I'm seeing some friends, whatever, whatever your self-care is, if I'm taking care of that, 
then I can take care of my kids better. And I'm not having the mom guilt. I'm not feeling like the, the time I'm spending with them, I'm distracted and I'm multitasking and I'm frustrated and I just can't wait for them to go to bed, which I know a lot of parents feel that way. Amen. I, I have days like that. We all do, but you don't want to have every day be like that. Otherwise it's just not fun. And these moments with our kids are so precious. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guilty of that one, Bev of, uh, Man, isn't it bedtime yet, boys? You know what I mean? Like, mommy, we need some mommy and daddy time. We need some time to decompress. I but, know, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a valid point. Like, really scheduling in, and that's why I always encourage those that can, like, schedule in that self care time so that you can be as present as possible. Because right now, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but our kids need us. This is what I'm seeing. Oh. Our kids really need our, our love, our attention right now because of you know, some, some of the impacts all of our uh, restrictions have had on them. And so, like, what, how, in terms of the kids you're seeing, like, what's the kind of the common concerns? Common concerns, <clears throat> a lot of generalized anxiety. Generalized anxiety has always been there. There's always an undercurrent. Like, I always see generalized anxiety in my practice. But right now, it's showing up kind of like the anxieties are more, they're more intense. There's a lot of what-ifs to worry about because GAD tends to be that, it's the disorder of thinking about what if something bad happens. Mm -hmm. And now I'm hearing like, there's just so many what ifs of all the bad things that could happen. Um, and I'm also seeing a lot more OCD contamination related OCD, right? So before it was sort of a little bit unrealistic or maybe disproportionate the amount of threat that we would have to think about germs and how much germs would actually harm us. And now we've been taught for two and a half years to fear germs and to fear any kind of transmission. And so I'm, I'm seeing that show up a lot with the OCD, with the OCD population. Wow. Yeah. So, so OCD type stuff and general anxiety um, related and are your volumes changing or have they been pretty consistent throughout the, uh, uh, your practice? Volumes wax and wane. I would say I think what's happening right now, to be honest, is that wait lists are actually either closed or so long that I, I, I fear that people are becoming defeated because I do seem to get a lot of like I get sort of clusters of referrals and then I won't hear anything for a little while. And I'm wondering because the last several times people have reached out to me, I said, you know, I have a bit of a wait list and I worry that people everybody needs to access service. Now, when you reach out as a parent for your child, because your child is struggling or suffering, you want to be able to access them. In eight months. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem for sure. And, um, I would definitely say volume. There's more, more patients. The, the struggles are more serious in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And I don't know what to tell people other than just keep, going back to the people that you're asking to get on their wait list and just keep asking and keep pushing because if you need something, we need to get you some help. Wow. Yeah. This is my concern. Like we're, we're good friends with a child psychologist and yeah, the wait lists are ridiculous. The, uh, uh, she had to close her weight or, uh, her wait list. And you know, this is my concern. And this is part of the reasons why I wanted you on Bev, just to give some, guidance for some of the, you know, we talked about what parents need to do, but even when you have that kid that's having more anxiety, um, the OCD might be a bit tricky. I'll let you comment on that too. But like, what are some of the things that, you know, when we're seeing early signs of, you know, 
anxiety, um, maybe I don't, I don't know if you're seeing much in the way of depression, but what, what can parents do to try and, you know, offset some of these symptoms? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think um, awareness is really key. So parents really need to pay attention to um, what are you seeing? What kind of activation, what kind of behaviors are you seeing from your kiddo? Are you seeing a lot of avoidance and withdrawal? Are you seeing that anything kind of hard or that they're, that they're fearful of, they just don't want to do and they're saying no to or they don't want to try? Is there a lot of shutdown? Um, is there a lot of crying and a lot of tears and a lot of stress? Like sometimes anxiety can show up and it doesn't really look like I'm scared and they don't know how to say I'm scared, but it's showing up in some of the behaviors that might be a little bit more, more covert and a little bit difficult to decode. So parents, like I do have a lot of parents who say, you know, every night at bedtime, I have a kiddo, my kiddo um, tells me that they have a tummy ache and then I'm up and I'm trying to convince them like, you don't have a tummy ache. It just came on right now. You know, could that be anxiety? Yes, absolutely. That could be anxiety because our fears, our worries, all of our feelings do tend to be expressed um, physically. And one of the words to describe that is somatization. We do tend to somatize, right, when we are feeling really stressed. And so sometimes kids aren't able to articulate yet how they feel, mm. but they can describe what's going on in their body. So I really encourage parents to pay attention to the the behaviors or the feelings that might be coming out from their kiddos and to really be, be kind and gentle and curious when you're first getting started with kind of some of that more, the awareness, um, because to get frustrated with our kids, like I understand, I understand why parents do, but to get frustrated, to be, to threaten them, you know, well, it's bedtime now. Like, I'm sorry that you have a tummy ache, but you got to get to bed that kind of thing really can just exacerbate the struggle. So maybe we can talk, I don't know, now or in a few minutes about maybe some of the steps that parents can use, almost like a, what's called emotion coaching, where we pay attention to the feelings that we're seeing and parents need to do a little bit more work to attend to the feeling without jumping to the solution. I think this is a perfect time. And I'm, I'm mad curious about this too, because I, this is something I, I can already see that I need to work on. So yeah, in terms of the approach to emotion coaching, yeah. how do we yeah. throw this down? Okay. So a couple of steps that are really, really important. The first is labeling and identifying, right? So when you see there's something going on with your kiddo, let's say they're playing Legos and they're getting super frustrated or they're starting to stall at bedtime is a really big one in our house where I start to hear one more story, you know, different blanket, like that kind of stuff. Maybe that can be a sign that there's a little bit of anxiety, right? There's, there's something going on there for sure. So parents, it's okay to say, you know what? Like, I wonder if you're feeling a little worried. I wonder if you're feeling a little sad. Like, is that something you want to talk about a little bit? Or, you know, what's, what's maybe, what, how's that feeling in your body? If you are feeling frustrated or worried, I want to talk about that a little bit get them to describe it. Like for a lot of kids, they need to draw it. They want to draw their worry bug or whatever it is that they're feeling. They want to describe it and visualize it. Like kids are super tactile. They need to concretize things. They need to be able to make it like more accessible to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just talking about worry feels a little bit abstract. So I would say really try to make it clear for them and help them access that. Then after we identify and we kind of label then we do a lot of work, parents, 
a lot of work, way more than you think you're, than, way more than you think you need to do. We need to validate what the feelings are. Mm. And we don't jump any further before we've really validated. Do you know what I mean by validate? Mm. <laughs> like you, you just like acknowledge and be like saying like, that's okay. Like it's, uh, you know, it's okay to be anxious about X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even empathize. So like I'm doing a lot of, right now my kid is struggling to hear no. He really doesn't like the, the word no. It's a big, big problem. Um, like how dare we, how dare we say no to him? So I'm saying things like, oh, it's so hard to hear no. I understand that it's really frustrating and hard. When I was little, and also right now, I really didn't like to hear no either. Right? <laughs> It's really tough. So it's okay as parents just to really kind of get down on their level, literally get down on their level and empathize and validate and like be in that mucky emotion with them because you don't want to go any further until they feel you've heard them and understood them. Wow. This is gold right now. So like make sure they have that outlet to express themselves uh, in whichever shape or form. And as you mentioned, tactile, that seems to work well, but also just validate, 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 empathy, 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 compassion towards yes. your child. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I need to, yeah, I'm taking notes right <laughs> now, folks. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm the, I, I definitely see this value. And um, I think this is golden in terms of really trying to address, you know, some of the concerns with the kids. And it's nice to be able to have tools at our disposal Especially when, you know, this is, this is a crisis time, in my opinion. This is, a, you know, a lot of kids are going through this right now. Um, so, yeah. So, in terms of making, improving the awareness of the anxiety, in terms of, you know, we called it emotional coaching. Any other things that you feel like need to be uh, addressed when we're dealing with this at home? Yeah. So then the next piece, and again, this is kind of more for the kiddos. Like this would be the population that I would almost describe as the worried well. So it's like you're in a place, parents, as a, as a parent where you feel you can kind of handle and tackle some of this. So this is maybe pre-reaching out to Dr. Bev or whomever for some supports where you want to try some steps on your own. I would encourage you to try these steps. But um, again, these are general steps. This is sort of not individual, you know, client recommendations that I'm giving, but these are general steps that can be helpful. I would say the next piece then, um, if your kiddo can tolerate it and you feel like they, their emotion is now coming down, the emotional wave has kind of gone up and it's now back on its, on its way down, then you can engage in collaborative problem solving. Then it becomes, you know, maybe there's a little negotiation, maybe there's a little bit of what might work to help you feel a little bit better. Maybe they do need a little bit of reassurance and some accommodations to help them feel more comfortable. And as a family, I would definitely say anxiety becomes a problem if it's impairing to the child and or to the family. It's not, if it's not a problem for the kiddo, but it is a problem for the parents because they're up 60 times in the night providing reassurance, then it's still a problem. So I would say just be mindful that we need to be able to problem solve. And sometimes within that problem solving territory, it becomes a question of how to help gradually expose and push that child to do something that's like pretty hard and outside their comfort zone, but that would be, you know, for the greater good for, for them, their mental health, their physical health, and for the family's functioning. Wow. So just almost like a gradual 
process, like almost, um, trying to think of a good analogy but for whatever reason hierarchy that you need to create with your kiddo where they're like working gently and gradually up some up some ladder up some stairs to get to a goal wow wow yeah and yeah and the negotiation piece like i I, in it sounds like really should be a solution that is you know realistic and not too prohibitive like on mom dad and uh and kiddo um right yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's workable. That seems yeah. really workable. Um, any other pieces to the to that before I ask you about some of the OCD side? I guess the piece I just really want, and maybe this is kind of our kind of end message. But I, I think parents really need to hear: if your child seems more anxious right now, maybe that's also a little bit okay, right? Like mm. it's. It's their nervous system trying to figure out and navigate all of the stresses and the threat and the fears and all the stuff and all of the times they've heard parents, you know, worried about what's going on in the world at large. It's like kids, they are little people there, but their brains are still developing and they can't necessarily rationalize all the big information that we've been trying to help them understand or protect them from over the last few years. So if your kid has a little bit of anxiety, yeah, that's understandable. And maybe that's okay as long as it's, you know, workable and you can help them through it. That's a really good point. Cause if you think about the, I mean, these are not normal times, right? And, uh, what we've what what we've downloaded on our kids, in my opinion, have been quite a lot. And when you factor that in, realistically, there's a lot of reasons for them to be anxious. Like tons of anxious parents right now. You know, you like anxiety is an anthem right now. We go on social media, go mainstream media. You socialize depending on people's level of. Uh, COVID nerves, like it, it's, it's everywhere. You go to the grocery store, somebody, you know, uh, tries to avoid you because they don't want to get too close. Like it's, it's society is screaming anxiety right now. And so it's a good point that we once again, have that empathetic lens and, uh, you know, and, and realize that the kids are going through a lot. They're going through a lot right now. A lot. Yeah. And our, our, and actually having a little bit of anxiety is a sign that they're trying to make sense of and, and figure out, you know, how loud does my alarm system need to be turned on? Cause it's been pretty, it's up pretty high for a lot of people it has been for a long time. And by alarm system, I just mean that our whole nervous system is we're constantly sort of scanning for threat. That's what humans do. And we need to be able to kind of turn on that fight, flight or freeze when we are faced with true threat, but we, at this point, it's almost like, where is the threat and how real is it? And for some people, it's still very much real. And for some people, it's not anymore. Um, There isn't sort of real activated threat. So I just feel like we need to be patient as we help our kids through this process and recognize that they're, if, if they're sifting through what threat to attend to, like, I think that's a good process for them to be able to learn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like almost role model that this is, this is trying times and we we're, we're work, we are working through this together, like how to navigate these, this level of uncertainty. 
Um, cause I mean, a lot of people, I hear this, I actually, my wife brought this up the other day. Like you're always waiting for potentially the shoe to drop. Like you get signs of hope and then mm-hmm. before you know it, they're telling you, like, I think a lot of people, when, when you look at over the holidays, you know, when Omicron hit, I was like, what, you know, I thought we were, you know, we're all vaccinated. We're all moving forward. And then this ultra contagious you know, the variant comes along and we're, you know, we're moving backwards. I think, you know, there's always that kind of, is the shoe going to drop again? Are schools going to close again? Or, you know, I think that's, uh, I think this is uh, a, a, a big driver of, of mental health concerns in our, our society right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, these are definitely challenging times, but I, and, and once again, Bev, I think I, I want to reinforce to just, or maybe just ask you to, you know, in terms of the parenting, being able to take care of ourselves and what have you, you know, we talked about potentially, you know, booking time for, for self-care and anything like that. Any other advice that comes to mind in terms of parents really making sure that um, they are taking care of themselves? Mm. Well, you used a, a good word, compassion, self-compassion. Like I think there's a lot of research out there to show the importance of using self-compassion, which is basically like being as kind to oneself as you might be to a friend and really talking to yourself the way that you would someone else that you were trying to care for or take care of. So I think parents are, we maybe underestimate the importance of just being so kind to ourselves. Like Like one of the things I'm, one of the tips I'm giving parents these days is like, find one thing throughout the day that you feel you can do really well with your kid. Maybe that's like, you're doing one really awesome meal. And then the other two, maybe you're doing more processed food or whatever, because you kind of have to, and you have time and you don't have the bandwidth and that's okay. Like use that time to be self-compassionate and to say, I'm really doing the best that I can. And actually like, I really nailed breakfast. That was awesome. I got so many good things on that plate. I feel really good about that. It is about the small wins right now, right? I love it. You know, just like celebrate the the wins that you get and just, you know, create that confidence, create that that self-compassion because I think a lot of people need that right now. I think a lot of people hard on themselves in terms of whether that's expectations or or whatnot, but I, I, I love that. You really just be kind to each other, be kind to yourself yeah. and uh, just acknowledging that these are not normal times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. So Dr. Beb, this has been fantastic. I think this is super valuable for so many parents and their little ones. And so how can people track you down? So my, they, you can just also Google Dr. Beverly Walpole. I'm in Guelph and my website is Arbutus Psychology. Arbutus is a tree that's um, native to the Pacific Northwest. It's a very strong and resilient and hard tree because when I started my practice, I thought I want to build really resilient people. And now I'm more like, no, let's just get by. Let's just be okay. <laughs> not being amazing right now because this is just not the time to try to be just like crushing it in all domains. It's, it's okay to, um, to be doing okay in a lot of domains right now. And we'll get there again. Like we will really get there, but our beautiful A-R-B-U-T-U-S psychology is high right. mm-hmm. Fantastic. We'll put that in this, 
in the show notes. Dr. Bev, thank you once again. I know we're gonna, I know we're gonna do this again sometime, but uh, really appreciate you taking the time and reaching out. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok at Quadcast. Leave it in comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. Leave us that five-star rating. You got to do it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget about Solving Wellness, changing the boogie, producing burnout, solvingwellness.com. And yo, we'll connect again real soon. We love you. Stay safe. Peace.